nice article in the Managing Madrid uh, blog. They're wonderful lads that do a great job there. And worth reading about that man there. Sorry, Benzema needs to rest. Welcome, this is your host Gabe Lezra, and uh, it is your first episode ever, I guess, of your Managing Madrid podcast about Las Galacticas, Real Madrid Femenino. Everybody, we're talking about um, we're talking about the women's game here today, and we're talking about the fact that Real Madrid now has a women's team. We're going to be covering it, and this is your first episode of the show. I'm joined by my friends uh, Jess Howen. Jess um, and uh, Emily Woods. What's up, guys? How you doing? Hey, pretty good. Welcome good. to the How show. You? I'm psyched. I'm psyched to be covering. I mean, I'm psyched to be covering this. I'm excited for you know to discuss what the you know what the future holds for what I can only imagine is uh, a very exciting and kind of bright future in in Spanish Spanish sports for this new exciting club. Well, and let's be honest, it's about daggum time Real Madrid got a women's team. Right? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's an absolute disgrace. As we've been saying for, you know, years now, Yeah, it's a disgrace. Yeah, the league has been around for, what, somewhere around 30 years, and we're finally getting a women's team now? Team of the I Millennium, mean, they, right? And they can't get a women's team going until just now? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but we've got one. And, like... <laughs> And, like, this team won't even be, like, technically Real Madrid until next year anyways. But still, right. regardless, we're going to, like, we're going to pretend, we're going to sit back and pretend that that everything is fine and that this is this is good. Um, because obviously it is probably, here, here's what I'd say. Like, you know, let's, let's, look, Real Madrid, we're late to the party, but I think it's time to celebrate that we showed up at all. Yeah. And uh, they showed up. Yep. During the party. We're here, yay! Uh, Real Madrid. <laughs> All right. Real Madrid purchased Club Deportivo Tacon, T-A-C-O-N, uh, which has like this whole backstory of what the actual uh, name means. But I think it's worth explaining kind of what, before we jump into that, like what we're planning for this show. Okay. Um, and... Uh, I don't know about you guys. I'm very excited to do this. This show is going to be, I think, at the moment, we're thinking of doing every other week. Um, and we're going to try to cover as best we can Real Madrid uh, Femenino, which will be Tacon this season, but will be eventually Real Madrid. And uh, we're working on also, I mean, personally, this is something that I've wanted to do forever, which is learn about the women's game in Europe. Um and uh, I know that right now, uh, I think the kind of premier league in the women's game is in the United States. But I'm very interested in learning what that looks like in, in Europe and uh, what it's going to look like when these kind of big kind of legacy clubs start developing their women's teams. It definitely adds another dimension to it when you have a name like Real Madrid sitting oh, yeah. behind it. Right, because like right now, the kind of 
my understanding is like the English league is gaining traction. Manchester City, Arsenal, Chelsea all have strong women's teams. But right now the, the women's game, at least the women's champions league is dominated by the French, uh, the French league, which is part of the reason why the French women were such an like imposing squad over the summer in the, in the world cup, uh, especially Olympique Lyon, uh, but the Spanish the league has been dominated by, unfortunately, and I hate to say it, we hate to see it, Barcelona and Atletico. Those have been the main teams in Spain. Yep. So that's what we're going to be doing. We're going to be covering this uh, Spanish league. We're going to be covering the expansion of uh, the women's game in Europe. And we're going to try to talk about the, world, uh, the, the, the women's game kind of worldwide. Because I don't think right now especially, and, and tell me if you all disagree, but I don't, think it's, I don't think we really can even talk about this without talking about the, the National Women's Soccer League in America. No, I, Absolutely. I, I think that, you're right. Um, yeah, that's definitely the framework I think uh, most of this is being discussed from. To the to the extent that like even when Madrid will go and try to get players, you're going to see them try to negotiate with the structure and the timing right of the American clubs, which is something that we actually don't know much about because frankly we don't see Madrid go and try to get like MLS players very much. Right. Although you know. Spain probably, you know, Spanish clubs will probably have some kind of understanding of how to navigate it at least a little bit. So even if Real Madrid proper doesn't know, I mean, we've sent over, they've sent over La Liga itself, um, you know, plenty of players to MLS. And assuming that the NWSL um, structure is similar to MLS, they'll at least have that kind of a uh, an understanding to go to go on, you know. Yeah, 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 totally. I mean, I think that 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 the I mean, my understanding is that the club has thought about like how exactly the best way to proceed with this would be and they know that right, like if they wanted to go and get some of these players from the American League that they can negotiate, you know, signings with players who have contracts that would allow them to actually play in both leagues, which is one of the interesting features of the American game, right? Because um, the the NWSL, just like MLS, is a mainly right a spring to fall, so spring, summer, fall game. And the Spanish game, just like all the other European games, are really fall to spring. So there's an entire kind of six month period where you could theoretically, if you were a player in, in the United States, play in Europe. I think it'd be probably closer to two months because it's May to like, the break in La Liga is like May to August, which is right square in the middle of the uh, American leagues. So I guess that's three months more, more or less. Yeah, and we've seen some historically some players jump over. Anyways, the point basically is that there's a lot of kind of moving pieces in the way that this game is structured, and the fact that. Um, the NWSL plays such an important role in, like, I think signings, in determining where players are going to go, is a big part of what we're going to have to negotiate as we cover Real Madrid trying to kind of create a powerhouse of a women's team. And 
I think before we even jump into that, I think it's worth stepping back and talking a little bit about why Real Madrid has decided now was the time to kind of announce that, why now was the time to do this. And, um, yeah, I think we have to, I mean, like, it has to be said that this is the, this is, this may be the turning point for the women's game worldwide. This was the most watched World Cup. I mean, the most watched Women's World Cup in history. We had a billion total viewers. Jeez. A lot of people. That's pretty amazing. And we had a billion total viewers. And on top of that, right, it wasn't just like we, we kind of had um, the expected market share was very high in the United States, but that was expected. And it was true. And what those viewers are really coming from were places that were very, it's very, and, and this is why I think Madrid is jumping in now. There were the, the viewers are really coming, like the new ones were really coming from the historically soccer, like soccer loving countries. Like we had record setting, you know, record setting uh, 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 viewership in the Netherlands, in Italy, in Brazil. Like this is, this was, this could could be and is likely a transformational World Cup for the women's game. And I think this is why Real Madrid has finally been shamed. I mean, like, <laughs> shamed <laughs> into doing it and making and then and, and jumping into this, jumping into this world. I'm not sure if shamed is the right word or if they just kind of finally saw the right uh, incentives, economically speaking. <laughs> They should have been shamed then. Damn it. They weren't listening to us enough. (laughs) Uh, I think it's shamed enough because of who the the league leaders are. So, you know. That's true. (laughs) Barcelona getting to the final of the Champions League last season may have also been involved in this decision. (laughs) (laughs) For as good a reason as any. We can have two Champions League trophies in one year. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and on top of that, I mean, let's be clear. The women's game kicks ass. Rules. Yeah. It's it awesome. It really does. I think uh, it's one of the sports that translates best across whatever gender's playing. Like, I, yeah. there's just, I don't know. Some sports are played not necessarily better or worse, but differently depending on if it's the men's or women's game. Yeah. Soccer, I just don't see much drop-off or not any drop-off. It's just the same I don't know. And I feel like there's less BS involved with the women's game in terms of the antics. Yeah, that's true. And that's a, that's a big, that's a big point. And it's interesting because I've, you know, I hear that a lot and I, I think it's, it's extremely true (laughs) and it's also partial. I mean, and by antics, obviously like there's a lot less, you know, rolling around. There's a lot less trying to sell fouls. Now I will say that personally, I felt like this, and this is like not the point of this episode. Right? So we're going to do, we will do another episode just about the world cup. But like, I felt like this world cup, the refereeing was an interesting, had an interesting element to it, which was that I, f- I felt a little bit like the referees weren't maybe protecting the players in the extent that I would want them to. Like if I, like in the men's game, there were numerous, there, like, the compa- comparison that I had was like there were fouls that when I was watching these matches, I would 
I would see, and I'd be like, that's a clear foul. It's not just a foul, it's a yellow card, and there would just be no call at all. And it made me wonder, like, whether the decision, there was, like, a kind of institutional decision on behalf of, you know, on, on FIFA, like, to not make these calls. And I'm not sure exactly if that was true or not, but the effect of that is that if they know they're not going to get the call generally, they're not, there's going to be less kind of diving or trying to like sell the foul. Right. Well, for me, a lot of what I saw when it came to refereeing in this world cup was a lot of what I've seen in MLS this season. Like it just feels like refereeing lately has started to take kind of a nosedive in that they're either too card happy or too card shy. Um, and like there's no like happy medium like there needs to be um, in order to really manage a game well. I mean, that's not to say that there aren't any outliers and that we didn't have good refereeing during the World Cup and in the women's game and in MLS and all that. But it just feels like it's getting more and more fewer and far farther between, you know? Yeah, I definitely had a. Di- Go ahead. No, no, no. No, I just, I agree with you. The refereeing had a very different feel in the Women's World Cup than what I'm used to seeing in the men's game. Maybe I just don't watch enough of the women's game, but it it did feel qualitatively different um, in the way that it was called. And it almost makes me think like, well, that maybe that is kind of why the men go down and play up their little, their, their rolling on the ground antics. Because if, when the women don't do that as much, I don't know. I don't know which direction that, that process goes. Yeah, that's uh, exactly what those. That's exactly what I was talking about. Like, I'm just, I don't know whether, like, what the kind of feedback loop is there, like, and, and to the extent that, like, whether, you know, the men, like, if the referees didn't, like, like, if, if the referees in the men's game called the game like they did in the Women's World Cup, whether there would be less kind of, you know, trying to sell those fouls or whether, you know, they would still be a lot of selling those fouls and a lot of still a lot of, you know, players crowding the referees. But in the women's game, there was, you know, frankly, a lot, a lot less. That's of true. The, you know, there was a lot less of crowding the referees after a, yeah. like a potential foul. There's a lot. I didn't even think of that. A, but that you're right. I almost never saw that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, there, were, there are multiple times where in the men's game, you would have been kind of wanted to pull them back because, Bud, you're about to get another yellow card for dissent. Right. And in the women's game, you just, yeah, I don't know if they just kind of shrug and go, well, we got to get on to the next, we got to get keep going or what. I, I don't know. Yeah. And, and like, I, I guess what this comes back to is like my kind of, and this is like the, the hot take that I've been like, you know, selling to people is that like, I actually think that there's a reason that <laughs> games can, can and perhaps should be called a little bit more tighter than they were in this world cup, which is that um, it's not just that you want to protect the players, but that this is a, this is a really physical sport. And like we were seeing in some of these matches that people were going in cleats up and like hitting people in the knees and stuff in ways that like really could be career ending. And like, this isn't that we're talking about injuries and, you know, physical characteristics that, that are, they just have no relationship to like the, the gender of the people that are going in. Like if someone is sliding into your knee with their studs, they, they can rupture your ACL. It doesn't matter what, <laughs> what gender you are. So you need to protect that type of 
you know, that you need to protect the players from that type of, that type of, you know, contact. So that I think perhaps in the men's game veers a little bit too much towards protecting, like, you know, overcalling. And in, in this world cup, I felt like it veered a little bit towards undercalling, especially in games where um, there was a talent cap, which, you know, there is still like a fair, you know, I mean, in, in this, I think in this world cup, we saw there was a fair amount of talent gap, despite it being like it closing, there still was like, you know, us versus Thailand or whatever, where, you know, there was a huge, that, that, that talent gap was undeniable, but like, even in some of the like matches that included, you know, these higher talent teams where the other team was well coached, right? Right. You had very physical teams who were using kind of these, (laughs) these tactics that perhaps in the men's game wouldn't be allowed or permitted by the referees just because they would be so physical. Well, it helps when the person the referee is protecting is like Neymar or Messi (laughs) or someone, you know what I mean? Like you let somebody do that to that person, it's going to have a bigger, bigger repercussion on you. And so I wonder what the power dynamic is between the people calling versus the people, you know, receiving the calls. Well, that's a really good point. Well, yeah. I I totally agree. Yeah. That's a really good point. And we saw, I mean, we saw a little bit, we saw a little bit with like, yeah, that's a big, that's a big team call. I mean, like. Frankly, I mean, as a Spanish fan, I was watching Spain versus USA, and I thought that that the second penalty was pretty soft, and like it was like a big, big team penalty. Like, yeah, you know, maybe a uh, a smaller team doesn't get that call, but it's the U.S. that Spain is playing against, and that was like you're going to get that call. It's like the Michael Jordan foul that right. was, was it really a foul? Yeah. Was it though? Yeah. Right. <laughs> um, so let's, let's jump in. I don't know. Let's, let's, um, let's introduce uh, what will become, right? Yep. Las Galacticas, Real Madrid Femenino. As it, as it stands right now, the club is called Club Deportivo Tacón. Um, and, yeah, I gotta tell you, it's not <laughs> as it looks right now. This is not a great team. Right. Well, it's, it's not that it's not a great team. It's just that it's not a Real Madrid caliber team. I think we can agree. Yeah, for sure. I mean, especially yeah, they haven't even been up in the first top league. One more time. No, I was just saying they just barely got promoted to the top league. So yeah, definitely. Right. <laughs> And they were only founded in 2014, right? Right. Uh, I mean, there's still, I mean, I feel like that gives Perez a lot of room to kind of mold and play with this team as well. Like, if we tried to do this with a more established team, I don't think it would have gone over well as at all. That's a really well, the good team point. with a lot of history is probably going to resist a little bit more just having its identity completely subsumed into the Real Madrid monolith. But so I think you're right about that. That's a really good point. Um, And this was, I mean, interestingly, this was, this club was arguably, you know, part of it. I'm part of its existence was arguably to become eventually like subsumed into Real Madrid. I mean, so 
back in, I mean, 2016, people were predicting this, uh, that this team would become basically uh, Real Madrid's women's team. It's currently, you know, partially run by Sergio Ramos's brother, Rene, who I obviously thought was a woman for some reason, because I'm an idiot and didn't realize that that was a dude's name. Uh <laughs> <laughs> By the way, Sergio Ramos does have a does have a sister. Her name is Miriam, but unfortunately, yeah, it's not it's not her that's involved. It's it's uh, his brother. But so this, uh, I think that there are a lot of good things about this team. I think you guys are right that it's that it's good that it's young. Um, <laughs> I think that it's bad. I don't know, Jess. You were mentioning it's bad that. Uh, <laughs> They don't have the greatest, uh, not the greatest logo or kind of. Oh my goodness. <laughs> they don't have the greatest logo or, I mean, like, so they're, okay. So the tacon means heel. It means like, and, and like we've seen players in Spain, like people score goals with, you know, taconazos, right? With, you know, right. heel shots. So it's, it's not necessarily a feminine word, but it is a little bit. And especially when you combine it with their logo. Gosh, like it's it's a first of all it is it is completely not practical, um, but it's a cleat with a heel on it, like like a, it's a stiletto cleat. Like I feel like this is some <laughs> failed Paris runway experiment that they went. Oh, this would be really cool to put wings on and make a logo out of. I mean, and the wings, like for those of you who don't know, the wings are kind of, they kind of look like those little pilot wings that they used to hand out to kids on airplanes. Yes. Um, oh my maybe, God. That's yeah, so true. Fuck. I didn't like even that. think about that. Right? That reminds me of being five. Let me sit first class and gave me a free orange juice. Cause I was by myself and I was crying for my parents. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm only on the phrase top flight. Um, <laughs> 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 oh my god that's so bad Fuck. <laughs> i didn't even think about it <laughs> well, and, and let's be honest it's there's an awful lot of pink and there's a lot of pink though you know, that's the thing and if you know anything about me my bias is 100 percent against the color pink so i mean i feel like we should just get that out of the way right now oh yeah <laughs> like, I, you know, the, I i gotta tell you barcelona's do you remember that season where barcelona's uh, third jersey was neon pink oh, it was like wow. highlighter pink Ugly. <laughs> uh, it hurt my eyes. I wasn't even like I wasn't even a fan of Real Madrid's third kit this last season because at some points it looked pink instead of coral or orange. I mean, Real Madrid also did have a third pink kit a couple years ago, right? Like, yeah. My, my, I feel like I'm losing my mind. I feel like it was there was a pink kit one. Wasn't year. Wasn't it the year before the purple kit? Yeah, yeah, it was. Yeah. Bad, 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 hey, bad. Pink is fine. Good, Ask guys. Cameron. It's okay. Good. Pink is just fine. <laughs> uh, so, but, I mean, talk, <laughs> I mean really, yeah, it's like pink tea, you know. Also, like, I'm not personally, like, by definition against pink. The, the issue is that, like, when you Agreed. add, like <laughs> – the like pilot wings, <laughs> like kid pilot wings to like a, a stiletto cleat. Yeah. You're, you're not doing great. No. And uh, <laughs> luckily though, guys, I mean like, frankly, it will be 
I mean, this is just going to be a Real Madrid team. I don't think that they're going to keep any of this. Yeah, no, I don't see why they would, you know, bring in a new logo. I mean, if you're playing for Real Madrid, you're wearing the Real Madrid crest. I mean, that's yeah. part of what the the Swedish player that we just brought on is excited about is wearing that particular crest. You know, is that is that official? Uh, yes, it is. She actually announced it on her Twitter page. No shit. All right. Well, we are we are getting a little ahead of ourselves, but okay. Let's jump in. Let's jump, no. Let's jump into Tacon. Um, just to be clear, every um, to our listeners, uh, Tacon is technically an anagram. It means trabajo, atrevimiento, conocimiento, organización, notoriedad. Not. It's also dumb. That's dumb. I gotta tell you. I think it's dumb. They should just gone with whatever. They should have gone with the yield. Who cares? But the no. heel represents none of those things. No, it doesn't. It, it means it's meaningless. It's just this. It's all just pablum. So luckily, it's all going to be subsumed under Real Madrid, and we don't have to worry about it. Yes. <laughs> so as part of so Real Madrid bought this team for the hilarious price of like four hundred thousand dollars, which is like less than a house in DC. Uh, well, it's five hundred thousand euro. Um, which to kind of put that in totally different. Yeah. I mean, when you put that in perspective for some of our, our U S listeners an MLS expansion team costs $200 million up front. Yeah. Um, there are, we, Tim Howard's salary. He's the current keeper for the Rapids is 2 million. So you could buy Forza cones for what we paid Tim Howard. <laughs> He's not even, I mean, he's like, Tim Howard is like quite old and declining too. That's pretty. Yeah, this is his last um, season, yeah. So, but uh, Tacon will play, uh, Tacon will play their 2019-2020. This means this season at Ciudad Real Madrid, Real Madrid in, in, in Valdebebas, which is great. Right. Um, they won't officially be called Real Madrid until July 2020, but they will effectively be Real Madrid. Um, as it stands right now, um, outside of so um, um, this new striker that they just signed, uh, this is not a particularly f- a team that you would have heard of anyone. Right. Um, the only person that I pulled that I in looking at this roster, the only person that I pulled out that that appeared at the 2019 World Cup was a defender for Argentina called Ruth Bravo and Argentina wasn't even a particularly good team and is arguably the worst, like worst federation in the entire world for dealing with their women's players. So yeah, well, that's they didn't even have a women's team for what, yeah. two years. So, and they were also famously the federation that like distributed a, uh, how to pick up Russian women document. Oh to their uh, to the press from Argentina going to Russia. That's right. In 2018, so really not great, but and d- really don't pay their players at all. Yeah, at all. So, and we'll talk a little bit about um, the Americans uh, on. I mean, maybe this show, maybe I mean in the future, but there's a whole thing with the Americans and working on trying to get even close to equal pay, which they deserve you know, much more than, than even equal right now. But regardless, one of the things that, you know, we're going to discuss is why this particular acquisition and this move by Real Madrid is, 
and actually, I, I think it's smart to discuss this up front. Why this acquisition is actually a economically feasible move is in part because the acquisition of these players, the acquisition of this team is phenomenally undervalued and undervalued because of the kind of general sexism in that permeates the women's game. So, for example, you can get the best player in the world or one of them for around the same price that the Rapids are paying Tim Howard. Like that's pretty pathetic. Years left in them as well. Yeah. Um, So let's just jump in. So I've got the the roster in front of me. I'm not going to go through and name everyone on it because you've heard of none of them. Uh, I think instead we should go through this list of people who have been linked to Real Madrid. Uh, And that is quite a list. Uh, so let's start with let's start with uh, Kosovari Aslani, um, who, as uh, just said, apparently has actually signed. So who? So talk to us. Talk talk us through our first uh, first big signing. Um, well, she uh, comes to us from. Um, oh gosh, I cannot pronounce this. I'm going to try. It looks like Linkapings FC. Um, she's played for PSG. She's played for Manchester City. She played for Chicago Red Stars in NWSL. Um, she is 29 and has been kind of dubbed the female Zlatan. Um, so Which rules? A lot of fun, clear. To, uh, fun to watch. I'm kind of excited that, I mean, if this is the caliber that we're going to be looking for and this is kind of the... Uh, I mean, if she if she does play like Zlatan, then I will admit I haven't watched any of her footage just yet. I mean, um, then that's going to be a pretty we're setting up for a pretty physical team if we're going to be going <laughs> along these lines. Well, and damn entertaining as well if she and resembles Zlatan in any other in any other facet. <laughs> exactly. That's what I was going to say. I mean, as a huge Zlatan fan, I mean, I can uh, only hope she can rival his ponytail. <laughs> We can only hope she can rival his entire personality. I mean, like... But let's be honest, though. Her ponytail is, like... Yo, can I just quickly that. shout out... Can I quickly shout out the stupidest take of the entire Women's World Cup, which was uh, this dude being like, it sucks that the Americans win because they are by far the most arrogant team and fans and people in, in all of this sport. It's like, dude... Have you have you literally ever <laughs> ever gone to Zlatan's Instagram or Twitter or any of that shit? Like, come on! Like, <laughs> Cristiano Ronaldo plays in this sport, and you're saying the American women are the most arrogant people in the entire sport? Give me a fucking break! <laughs> King, love it. Word. <laughs> this is one. This is going to be a feature on this show, by the way. To to our. To our very, I'm sure, uh, skeptical <laughs> listener base, it is going to be a feature of us making fun, making fun of this type of takes. But yes, I will also note, unfortunately so be ready. for me if you personally, tweet out about the uh, women's nationals, the women's team with an eye roll emoji. You will be talked about. <laughs> oh yeah, we're going to dunk on you. Yeah, it could happen. <laughs> uh, unfortunately, Barcelona have signed uh, the kind of star 
of, I think, the Spanish World Cup team and really um, the person that I really thought was going to form the backbone of this Real Madrid team because her, her contract had ended. And that's Jenny Hermoso, um, who played an incredible World Cup for Spain. She had previously played at Atleti. I thought it was very clear that Real Madrid, if if they had really wanted, could have gotten gotten her. But Barcelona have a lot more cash right now in the in this game than than Real Madrid do. So even if Madrid had wanted, it's not clear to me that she would have would have signed. Um, but yeah, Barcelona signed her to a couple year oh contract. God, does, that, does that make us like the Man City right after they got bought out in the women's Gotta game? Tell you, I would love to be the Man City right, right? after they Long got term. bought out. <laughs> <laughs> I just remember all the players scoffing at at their offers. Like didn't Kaka turn them down? Kaka turned yeah. them down and came to us. Um, yep. yeah, they got turned down by quite a few. Yeah, they did. And then they got really good. So whatever. <laughs> yeah, no, I would take that eventual outcome. Yeah. The, it, it, it's gonna, it's gonna, I mean, while, so we're about to name a bunch of really good players who could, who have been linked to Real Madrid. And I'll be honest. I, I don't know that we'll see any of them necessarily come in this particular season. Definitely think, not this season. Well, I think for, for right now, for this season, this will be the sit back and watch and see what happens. Yeah. And see what's going on. Maybe this season and the next for some of these, um, just because there's still a lot of unknown happening. And it's, if I have a short thing here, you know, why would I necessarily want to give that up just yet? It depends a little bit. I think you're right. It depends a little bit on whether well, literally how much money Real Madrid are willing to offer them. Because if you're, I mean, like, look, if you're, let's say Wendy Renard, who we're going to talk about in a little bit and Real Madrid comes and says, Hey, like, we'd like to give you a four year contract for $2 million a year. How do you, I mean, like, it's real hard to turn that down. I think, given the market. Right. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's one measure of how serious a team is, is, you know, how much they're willing to, right. you know, give their players. Exactly. And if Real Madrid is serious about this stuff, then they have to, they have to meet and probably exceed what the market is. And luckily for Real Madrid, as we said, the market is extremely sexist and, uh, these players are like not going to actually, you know, the market right now is, is actually not great. I mean, like I, so I have an outline here, right. That a major power play would not actually surprise me that much because the market that we're talking about is, is, is nothing compared to the men's team. The world, like literally we're talking about, I, I just read a couple days ago, that they're, they're, Chelsea may try to set a quote unquote world record to sign, time, uh, to sign um, Sam Kerr, right? The Australian forward. Right. Um, and the record fucking fee to command, like to, to, to sign her, would be 2 million euros. Like that's the world record. So, that's so this bad. should be impossible. It should be impossible to create this team. But Real Madrid, with their, you know, essentially unlimited resources if they wanted to could create a team that's really a combination of all of the best players in the entire like entire women's game if they wanted yeah if they want to sell out that money 
Which and I hope realistically is not that much money, but if even if right, but that's what there, exactly right. Like how much? Like so. Like imagine this scenario. Like Real Madrid sell Lucas Vazquez to PSG for fifty million euros. Let's say they took every cent of that and invested that into this team. They would create instantly the best team the best. in the history of the women's game. Yep. Right. I mean, the hard part, and this is maybe like from like more of a business side is that you have to look at what the return of investment is going to be because i mean i am all for them like putting a crap ton of money into this team because we have that money we have that capability because of what the men's team brings in and just what the basketball team brings in and what just having real madrid brings in you know but you realistically you also have to look at you know, we've seen what the crowds that Atletico bring in. We've seen the crowds that Barcelona bring in. We assume that these are also the crowds that Real Madrid bring in. But what if they don't? Well, I think if you invest yeah. in the team and the players, there's no doubt that it's going to because obviously the market is there for it. And I think right. this is kind of like the um, and this is part of why I think they jumped in now when they did. It's the idea of a blue chip stock, right? Like, OK, I'm going to get this for really cheap right now. I can get the best players in the world for in exchange for Lucas Vasquez. And long term, that's going to have a very, very big payout. I I think I agree with you. Yeah. And I think that I think that the World Cup showed that. Right. Right. Like that this was so not so. And I think a big part of that is that Real Madrid have, despite their consistent efforts over the last 10 years, really failed to crack the American market. But if they could bring in some of these blue chip American players, that could really shift the conversation towards what's going on in the European leagues and arguably expose people to the Real Madrid men's team that wouldn't otherwise have necessarily been in on the Real Madrid's men's yeah. team. That's, that's, I actually think that's not an insane like No, not at all. You know, I, calculation. I just read an article and I wish I could remember exactly where I read it about how in a lot of parts of Africa, I forget exactly which countries, but how Chelsea is a very followed team. Not necessarily because there's any history with that particular club, but they've signed a lot of African players that have been beloved yeah. and followed. And yeah. so Chelsea is just massively popular and they do great business if you're just looking at it economically in that area. And it's because they've signed a lot of those players. And I think you're right. You bring in some of the stars of the women's national team, uh, the American women's national team, you're going to get views. So, like, let's quickly go through some of the people that have been linked to the, the the Americans that have been linked. Because I think that, you know, I probably the I, I think pro, let's be clear. I think probably the best value for Real Madrid right now, if they're really talking about, like, getting a great team is not in the Americans because they'd have to try to pry them away from the NWSL and whatnot. But the people that have been linked to uh, Real Madrid are actually like quite quite notable. I think the most obvious one, I mean, I mean Alex Morgan, and there's been a fair amount of chatter that Real Madrid has flirted and talked with her agent about bringing her on. Um, she's also talked to uh, Barcelona. But if, you know, Real Madrid were to try to bring her on and actually succeed, this could be a real shot across the bow of Barcelona 
uh, and really the entire uh, women's game that Real Madrid is very serious. Now, Alex Morgan has ironically not had a great WSL season, <laughs> but that is essentially meaningless, I think, uh, if Madrid could, could, could snap her up somehow. Yeah. Yeah, I would definitely. I mean, just if they were to sign somebody like Alex Morgan, that would immediately create a market here. Yeah. I mean, she's instantly. Is she the most, I mean, one of the most recognizable names in the U.S. women's national team. So, yeah. Even Let's if talk- she's not, go ahead. <laughs> no, no. It's your, I, I, my guess was that you're about, even if she's not like, you know, the playing the best football of her life, like in in the NWSL. Let's. But I, what I want to do is like transition because I know we're, um, we're running a little bit. Like I want to get make sure that we get to the all the non Americans also because actually I think it's important to talk about the people that I actually think might come. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but I, um, I did want to also mention the other two Americans that I've heard linked. And of course, so first let's talk Christian press. Um, really love her. Uh, we saw how good she is in the world cup. Incredibly pacey, absolute nose for goal. Love to see her play for Real Madrid. That would be a real football move though. And she's got, because she's got a little bit of a less cachet in the, I think in the American market than some, like some of these other bigger stars. Um, but uh, the big one that I saw <laughs> and that I, I don't really believe, uh, but I would – I mean, so is, is, is Megan Rapino And everyone – I mean – Look, folks, I would that kit so fast though. Oh my goodness. Yeah, I know. That's the thing. Like we have, we have no choice but to stand. That's the thing. <laughs> she's, the, she's also a classic Florentino signing, golden boot winner in the World Cup. I mean, like, if you go back and look at that, those are classic Florentino signings. Um, That being said, and I'm not, like, taking anything away from her, and you all can, like, get pissed at me if you you disagree. I I mean, like, as a – purely as a football signing, I don't think she would make a lot of sense. I I think that as a – We're investing in this – go ahead. No, no, no. I just meant that, like, she's a vet – um, she's, she's a very like, you know, but, but like really just, she's a vet and she didn't, in my view, bring a ton to the U S team outside of her kind of cool head and nose for goal. And if we are creating, if Real Madrid is trying to create a kind of more modern team, she may not have exactly what Madrid is looking for. Like well, there, if this is a long-term project is what it seems like she's just, even just in terms of age, she's probably not part of a long-term project. Well, yes, we got to remember there, there are players that are coming to us that are older than Rapino. Um, so, I mean, I don't know that age is necessarily, I don't know how long that person will that this player in particular will stay, but I also don't necessarily know that that's, I mean, if you can play, you can play. It That's true. She doesn't have to be brought on on a 10-year contract. That's true. Right. Extremely good point. And I think uh, whether or not she would fit in with the system, I think we need to see 
what Tacone puts on the field this season and see how, yeah. how they how they play, how they move, and realistically whether or not she would fit with those movements. Yeah. More no, that's that. a really good point. And if she were there, she would immediately become the best player on the pitch. I mean, maybe maybe not as good as Aslani, but like immediately I mean like she's better than any of the people that, that Tacon currently has right but and we may be talking about two completely different styles of play between her and Aslani that's right and we're also I mean look she's great and she brings a huge amount of marketing power that that is really only matched by someone like I mean Alex Morgan or uh, uh, some of the other really high-end stars of the Well, even Tobin Heath. I mean, she's got – you see her in a lot of the Nike stuff right alongside, you know, Ronaldo and Messi and all those guys. Yeah, Tobin – I mean, so the reason I didn't include her on our list is because I haven't seen any rumors linking her. But she if, – if it were up to me of all of these players – she would probably be the choice, like my choice, my number one choice for of the Americans to try to bring over. But the problem is that, like, I think it's going to be. I haven't seen any rumors about this at all. I mean, I've seen all the other ones linked, but I haven't. Well, I, think I haven't seen anything with Tobin. I think from a marketing standpoint, like Rapino is definitely a smart move. There, yeah. I mean, she's got the the personality for all of that that Perez seems to kind of like to have on the yeah. team in in whatever fashion he has it and she also has that Ronaldo I mean like not like the negative ass but she has that Ronaldo energy yeah which well, is definitely made me think of Ronaldo a little bit with her penalties so, <laughs> minus the uh, yeah. <laughs> so well, let's, she's take no prisoners out there I think yeah. that's the the mentality that's you're slapped. referring to I love it. Well, there are, yeah there were a lot of the U.S. women that were take no prisoners as well I and mean, that's we true look at how Alex Morgan kept you know, she kept coming back. They took her down, yeah. and she kept coming back. Like every single one. That's such. It was yeah. such an incredible team. Oh. I and this is a again a conversation for a, a follow up show. But that I think that in twenty years we're going to remember this, or even you know forty years we're going to remember this women's team as the Brazil of the sixties for this sport. Oh. I mean, like they are that good. Yeah, um, top to bottom. Like you could basically they have the as I I think. I don't remember who said this, but one of the players was like, yeah, we have the best first team. We have the best team and we have the second best team in the world cup. And I, I think that was Alex Morgan. Yeah. She's not wrong though. She's not no, wrong. She's not like, Show me the lie. Like, so, um, other players who've been linked with, with, uh, with Real Madrid. I, uh, a lot of one, I, a lot of people I want to mention, um, people who I think would be extremely good, uh, I think the obvious signing for Real Madrid, though, um, for me, would be Ada Herberg, who is the current Ballon d'Or winner. Um, she actually didn't play in the World Cup. It's an insane reason why, because her federation decided basically that they were going to trust the coach over her, which is like, why would... And, and if you look at her kind of peripheral numbers in addition to their goal scoring numbers they look a lot like Ronaldo's and Messi's like this is like a goal and an assist per game type numbers like she's that good so like yeah. that's the type of person you want to kind of anchor a Real Madrid of the future so that's the type of person I would go after if I were Real Madrid um they were linked to um her Sam Kerr is about the same price same cost as what Tacon cost Real Madrid 
she, yeah. she gets she gets four hundred thousand euro um, for her contract. It's nothing. That's so ridiculous for the far and away best player out there. Wow, well, and she is she is the highest paid female soccer player in the world. Yeah, but can she twerk? <laughs> if you don't get that joke then uh you probably don't are, are probably, probably already haven't stopped listened listening this to this podcast <laughs> if you're so, please listen to her acceptance speech for the Bologna or this year oh she, my god look, honestly i she is she is so overwhelmingly good that i uh, it would be a tragedy if Madrid or or like that if, if if Madrid didn't end up at least trying to bring her on. This is like this is I I mean the numbers the and and the eye test all of it works with her. She is that good. Um, I think other players that are kind of like that. Um, I think let's just quickly go through people who I think are may, may perhaps more like gimmies. So um, I think the, the I think one of the classic and clear ones is Marta. Uh, Marta is arguably the greatest of all time in the sport. She is incredibly good. Um, again, a, a little old, um, but and and she's like declined a little bit, but, but she's, she's still like she's Marta. Like she's still that good. And she and and here's the thing. Here's the thing. And the reason I, I mention her is that. She has made it incredibly clear that she wants to play for Real Madrid. <laughs> like, well, yeah, it's like can you imagine having Marta and Marcelo at this. Oh my gosh, <laughs> Marta is like the type of person that, like, again, if like with 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 Pino, like, I would buy, I would buy that kit instantly. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Oh, yeah. I don't care how old actually either of them is. If they want to come to Real Madrid, yeah. you sign them. Bring them. Yeah. Yes. Bring them. They're yeah. that good. Another another person who's literally just put themselves out there for Real Madrid, um, Vero Boquete. She is um, Spanish, kind of forward mid, very strong player, and very much kind of inculcated into the Spanish system. She literally said, I'm right here, man. Just like, I'm just throwing it out there. Like, I'd love to play for you. <laughs> so, like, why not? She's currently in um, – NWSL, but uh, yeah, she's um, very interested in playing for Real Madrid. Uh, and then there are a number of other players. I mean, I think the people that I'm most interested in personally on this list that I have here, I already mentioned Wendy Renard, who I think is basically the um, Rafael Varane of women's of the women's game, um, except for perhaps with more. Eye for goal than oh, Veron. Uh, she's deadly. She's incredible. She's deadly in front of goal. I mean, yeah, she is. Uh, she's she's a center back. Um, she is, but she's also she's about like a very too. tall, pretty pacey, strong defensive instincts, and there's just no one who's better than her at set pieces in the, in the world, arguably. No, she was when, when the U S faced France in the world cup, she was the one that, uh, that I was kind of worried about because of what I saw her do against, uh, Korea. I think it was Korea in the opening game. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. I mean, every cross into the, into the box basically where she was involved was 
you know, high expected goal type cross. So another player, um, uh, English right back, Lucy Bronze. I, I mean, a lot of people, if you ask Kim McCauley, who, by the way, we're going to eventually try to get on this show. Um, Lucy was probably the best player in the world cup, arguably, um, absolutely the star for England. She is, I mean, I think the the best comparison that I have to her is Marcelo, actually, that she is an absolute genius when it comes to defending. But what she really does even better is provide that kind of modern wing back presence and uh, run and and control that right wing for um, both England and the Champions League winner, Lyon. Um She's very good. We've heard some rumors about Madrid asking about her. That would be an absolute, absolute, you know, masterful signing if possible. Yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, other than that, I mean, we have I've, a whole list of other people here. Um, I mean, there are tons. I mean, Sam Kerr, obviously, we mentioned. Um, Sam Kerr is currently on the market as far as we know um she would be an absolute galactica type signing she's really 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 good um i'm not sure if madrid will be able to get her though because she's on the market this year and i don't know if tacon is the place that she would want to go even if that's the prod despite the project yeah so i have less faith that perhaps she'll come But there are others. There's part of me that's a little worried, though, because she didn't handle the pressure of their knockout round game very well and completely skied what should have been a fairly simple point-and-shoot penalty kick. So, yeah, but you know, Sergio Ramos did that in 2014. So. Small sample size. There's Come on. That. Small sample size. Or 2012. 2012. Sorry. Also, like, the entire, like, Australia's entire attack was based on her, basically. Yeah. It reminded me, that, that attack reminded me a lot of, like, kind of old school Portugal, which is just like, yeah, let's just huck the ball up to Ronaldo. He'll figure something out. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And they did. They, I mean, they really did, did yeah. figure shit out most of the time. Um, but yeah, like we said, I think essentially any American, um, especially in the starting eleven, would be a big signing. Uh, I think Ada Herberg would be my ideal yeah. <laughs> signing. That's like saying I'd Hard. love to sign Lionel Messi. Right. It'd be great if they could get Messi. But the problem is that it's like. We're ta- like I said, we're talking about a situation where, in reality, this shouldn't be possible. Like this should be like Manchester City being like, "Oh well, like we're going to convince Messi to come play with Pep again." But like, it's not really like that because the most money, like <laughs> the world record signing, is like less than you would sign to get. Like I mean, like. Real Madrid signed Vinicius for less money than it would take to sign two thirds of the players we just talked about. So like this isn't, this isn't some sort of pipe dream that Madrid will be able to remake this team in a, in a real, like in a real way. And now perhaps like we'll see as you know, we've seen the, uh, 
you know, we've seen the game increase in popularity and we've seen marketing companies come in. We've seen the, you know, a lot of investment in the English league and a lot of spike in interest in NWSL. Maybe we'll see the market increase for these players as it should. Right. But as it stands right now, this is not an impossible dream for Real Madrid to create this type of team. No, if they put no, and what happens when when if you know Real Madrid starts you know paying these players at what they're really worth versus what they're currently being paid? I mean, what does that then do? What pressure does that put on the rest of the world when it comes to um, women's teams? You know, with with women's soccer. You know, does that does the the lawsuit happening right. in the states put put add you know add pressure to that in addition? Yeah, yeah, and like I wanted to. So let's see where we are in time. We're about now. All right. So I wanted to end with a quick discussion of that of the what we're what we're seeing right now in this country, which is um, the United States Women's National Team as a group has brought a um, a lawsuit against the federation for equal pay and we have so better than than a lot of countries we have federal law that's very good about um requiring essentially equal pay for equal work um in the sports context that has been interpreted much more there's a lot a lot more disagreement about what that means but i think what we've seen, especially over the last few years, is that the arguments that the Federation and that the kind of idiots in the <laughs> media who disagree with this law, like the idea behind the lawsuit, is that uh, the women's team is actually making more money for the Federation than the men's team. Yeah. And like it shouldn't, that, that doesn't, like legally, that shouldn't matter. But in terms of an argument, it's uh, it's kind of overwhelmingly damning. Well, it shouldn't matter, like you said, but um, but that's the argument that people always come back with, and that's the right. primary one. Like you know, well, they don't bring in as, but they do. But they do, <laughs> and more. Yeah. Right. So we have a situation where, for years, we've been arguing kind of on a moral basis, like it's dumb and wrong that we have a federation that's, that's paying the men like five, six, seven times more than these women, despite the fact that the women are consistently achieving better results, et cetera. And the response was always, yeah, but the men are pay like bring in more money because of their, you know, ad revenue or whatever. Right. But right. they no longer do that. <laughs> so like that response is now a, meaningless response it's, well it's isn't nothing. the u.s women's jersey the highest selling one now right it is i personally i mean like so and here's an interesting little factoid i uh i tried to purchase a u.s women's team jersey uh from the store during the world cup and uh it took them instead of like what a normal thing, a normal purchase online would take, which is like you buy it. And then if you ask for expedited shipping, it it comes, you know, three to five days later, max, it took three weeks. And then I found out that it was because the volume of requests was so high and they never expected it. So like they're making a huge amount of money off of the sales of these jerseys too. Mm-hmm. So, so it's just so the women are basically subsidizing the shitty men's team. 
the terrible men's team. Right, exactly. <laughs> the men's team that look, look, we're all we're all Americans. Like we, it would be really cool if the men's team were good, but they're not. Did either <laughs> of you trash. see Snoop Dogg's video? Did you guys see that video? Snoop no. Dogg? Oh my god. I don't even want to describe it because you should just watch it. But he basically talks about about this issue and how <laughs> the women's team should just be the U.S. Hell team. Yeah. Hell yeah. Well, there's actually a very interesting – someone floated this idea that um, uh, the team should share stars on their jerseys. So, like, if the women's team wins a World Cup, the men's team would wear the star on their jersey. And <laughs> – no. I so okay. There, there's a lot of interesting dynamics there, right? My initial reaction was like, "Fuck no! I don't want these stupid men and the U.S. team to like be able to wear their st- the, those stars of the women's team, right?" Right. But at the same time, like maybe it would encourage shitty federations to invest a little bit more in their women's teams. Right. I mean, it would, to a certain extent, it would elevate them to being on the same plane. Like, Hey, look, this represents the same thing, whoever won it, but it's the world cup either way. Right. Like that's the, uh, I mean, if the women, the thing is, if the women tried to say that the other way, I don't think that would go over well. Right. If, if in this country, right, exactly. If in this country, the men were the ones with four stars, right. no one would support this. <laughs> Absolutely nobody would, not. Nobody would even think of, they wouldn't even bat an eye about thinking this was a good idea. They'd be like, this is stupid. Shut up. Go away. Right. Yeah. <laughs> like, Which is sort of what like people in Brazil are like, what? No, fuck that. <laughs> but like, <laughs> although let's be clear, Brazil they were really all in on their team this year. They they set a bunch of records. Very cool. That's awesome. uh, and you know what? I think it'd kick ass if the Spanish women got to wear the star. That'd be awesome. I think it'd be cool. But it would also suddenly like I don't know. And like then then suddenly the U.S. women's team doesn't look as cool. Like I don't know. There's something really cool about the the U.S. women's team. Like. Having all those stars and like go, they go out into the field and the other team looks at their jerseys and they're like, "Fuck, that's that's a lot. Yeah. That's four well, stars." I think <laughs> those, star, those stars carry a different weight when you are the one that that was that won that that did the work to do that. Yeah, I mean, when you look at the Spanish team alone, I don't doubt that players like Asensio and Danny Solari <laughs> are super proud of their star, super proud that they have that. But it mean it probably means something entirely different to Iniesta and Sergio Ramos than it does to those two, you know? It does, but it also I mean, this is such a this is such a stupid European thing, but like it's or like a like a I don't know. I don't know what this take is, but like this is when they when they win the star, it's this big there's this national thing and it's a nationalist kind of feeling of like that's not just their star that's our star we won it ourselves and like well and you can see a little bit of that in the u and how the u.s has responded to yeah the women bringing this home yeah and like even when like and then it adds prestige to the jersey frankly so like imagine like like in a decade you know some like my niece, right, is putting on that jersey and she's putting on the jersey with four stars. I mean, like that's I mean, hopefully there's one more, but like four stars, right? Like that's a different thing than putting on a jersey that has no stars. 
I don't know. It's kind of cool. Those poor sad countries. What must it be like for them? Oh my God. As, as <laughs> listen, listen, like, I gotta tell you, as a human being who has supported the Spanish national team my whole life, it, it sucked, <laughs> but that's, it made the, that 2010 world cup that much more important. Obviously that's a joke because the U S men's team is the complete opposite of that. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, but I think the difference is like, we're just used to it. Like we don't anticipate the U S men getting a star in our lifetime. There's an entirely wow. different emphasis on soccer in Spain than here in the, in the States, you know? Yeah. Well, this is the one, the one area where th- this country kind of does take the lead and it's in the women's game. So it's a different, definitely an interesting wrinkle yeah. in the way yeah. that we participate in it. Well, and that's why so many of these shitty European commentators were so upset about this, uh, this world. Cup. Right. <laughs> Uh, all right. On that note, um, I hope you guys who are listening enjoyed this show. We're going to be doing it more. And frankly, even if you didn't, you can not listen. Um, but fuck yourself. That's another option. But this, this team is going to be a lot of fun to cover, frankly. And it's going to be a lot of fun because as Real Madrid fans, we support an institutional team. And what we get to do right now is cover a team that is being built. And we've never had to, we've never gotten to do that. Not any of us. I've been covering and and talking about Real Madrid my entire life. This has never in my life been something I've gotten to do. So this kicks ass. So I'm psyched. I'm psyched to keep doing it. This is going to be great. Yeah. All right. Until, uh, until next time, ladies and a la Madrid. A la Madrid. The J on the track, nigga. Hey, you already know. It's your boy, Lil Scrap. Even the hat home, motherfucking world rocking in this bitch. Oh, yeah. Check it out. Check it out. Like it. She rock a hip, then wave and zip. She rock a hip, then wave and zip. She rock a hip. She rock a hip. She rock a hip, then wave. I like how she rock it. She bend that thing over into the ground. She gon' drop it and pop it hard as she can. Got me hard in the pants because she all in her stance, doing her motherfucking dance, man. Look, little buddy cute in the face. She rock her hips to the base. She take a sip and she wave and wanna get with Lil J. After she dance on that pole, I pull my castle quick and fast when that ass hit the floor. Now Ay. I got 32 flavors of that booty, delicious
you handle it? Close to cause it's rushing. If I hate a wanna run they live. Step up in the club and have them whispering. Goddamn, she said. Take it to the bar. Hypnotic and Hennessy is on my list. Seductively moving my body. Now watch me rock my hips. Take a sip of the goose. I'm looking good and living lavish. Big boy pimping, popping, dipping. Now tell me I'm not the baddest. I walked in the club and she wobbling and shaking. I wanna take her to the house. So I'm playing. Stop breaking in her motherfucking back. Mommy! 